Let's open our Bibles. Let's go to 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. It says in verse 7, we'll read verse 7 to verse 9. It says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Everybody say the blood. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Tell your neighbor, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You may take your seats. I want to talk to you for a few moments about the power of the blood of Jesus. I don't want to take too much of your time. The power of the blood of Jesus. We can see that we can we we can identify the power of blood going all the way back to Exodus chapter 3. We see a man named Moses that was called of God to go into Egypt to deliver a people that was in bondage, that was in slavery, and that was in chains. They were bound up by the Egyptians so God calls Moses to go into the land of bondage to deliver a people. We see that Moses walked in and began to talk with Pharaoh. Let my people go from this bondage. Let my people go from the chains that they are bound up in. And Pharaoh's heart was hardened. And through this hardening of the heart, we see that Moses began by the guidance of God to do miracles, to send plagues after plague after plague and amongst these plagues we see that even the Egyptians had their magicians that they would replicate the plagues that Moses was doing but there came a point where the power that Moses was operating could not be copied could not be replicated by these magicians by these sorcerers it came out of their mouth that surely what Moses is doing is by the hand of God and let me tell you, church, that what God is doing in this congregation in Palm Bay, perhaps for the past years, you could look across the street and say that they've got a different name and they're getting the same results. But there's going to come a point, and I believe we're coming to the point in Pompeii where they can't replicate what we're doing because you can only find deliverance in the name of Jesus. You can only find forgiveness by the blood of Jesus. So we identify the power of the blood early on. We see that in these plagues, one of the last ones, that God tells Moses is that I'm going to send my spirit and I will smite every firstborn. 
And we see that Moses begins to receive these instructions from God. And he begins to tell Moses that I want you to get the head of the household of everyone in Israel that is in Egypt. And I want them to get a lamb. And I want them to take the lamb and to kill it. Let there be a shedding of blood. And I want you to get that blood and I want you to wipe it on the doorpost. And in Exodus 12, 13, it says, And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. In this moment, we begin to see that there's something special about the blood. There's something that happens when there's a shedding of the blood. There's something that passes over those that God can identify that have been covered by the blood. Is this all right that I'm just preaching about the blood of Jesus? My friend, when we've been baptized in his name, we get the blood. I'm getting that little skip. I'm skipping a little. When I start skipping, I get I get excited. My voice may be wearing out on me, but my heart is rejoicing when I think about the blood, when I think about what Jesus has done in my life. My friends, you shouldn't need a lot to convince you to worship God when we're talking about the blood. Just start thinking. Think about the past. Think where you should have been. Think where God brought you from. Think about the things he delivered you from. Think about the blessing that you walked into. The moment. Why don't you shout the blood has power. The blood has power. And the blood shall be a token. And when I see the blood, I will pass. Judgment will pass over you. What you deserve will pass over you. When I see the blood, it will be a token. And I will know that mercy is laid there. That grace has been laid there. Because there has been an obedience of my word. Oh, but, but how is it so that, that this blood was able to, to forgive, to cover? There, there's just something called sin. Everybody say sin. And if there's something that separates us from God, it is sin. And if there's something that's going to make us find peace with God, it's going to be the shedding of blood. I know it's a li- it could be a little gruesome. There's, there has to be a shedding of blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. The word remission means cancellation. Mean, it means veto. It's saying there's, there's a contract. And if you want that contract that you have been bound by because of sin, that will lead you to death. If you want that count contract to be canceled, to be ripped, to be remitted, there has to be a shedding of blood. And Jesus had this on his mind mind when he was thinking about Moses he said I'm gonna give you a glimpse I'm gonna lay down something that will foreshadow what I'm gonna do in the future and we see Moses he 
He begins to, to do this, and, and, and the spirit comes, smites all the firstborn. And, and after this, they, they begin to find, make their way out of Egypt. And as they're making their way out of Egypt, they pass the Red Sea. And when they cross the Red Sea, we see that they all rejoice crossing the Red Sea in dry land. The people of Israel find deliverance. They find deliverance of the things that they were bound to when they crossed the Red Sea. But when they crossed the Red Sea, they looked back and saw their enemy walking right behind them. They saw their enemy marching right behind them. They were walking with chariots. They had their horses. They had their armies. They repented of their decision to loose the people of Israel. But by that time, when they looked back at the enemy, all they saw was the waters crashing upon them. They saw their enemies drown in the waters and what I'm telling you right now is that there's power when you go through the water I don't know if there's someone here that can testify that when I went through the water I was redeemed I was washed I've been through the water I've been baptized there's something there's something about going through the waters in Jesus name in Jesus name in Jesus name there, there's no other way that our sins can be remitted by, but by the one who shed his blood I appreciate the recognition of, of the Father, Son and the Holy Ghost and I identify those as well but they've got a name They've got a name. They've got a name. And I want the name applied to my life because there's a contract that I signed the moment that I sinned that says I deserve death at the end of my life. I deserve to go to hell. But Jesus came down and he said, you know what? Give me that contract. Give me that paper that lists all of your sins. And I'm going to blot it upon the cross. Ain't nothing like the blood. Ain't nothing like the blood of Jesus. It washes all of my sins. We see something that begins to happen. That they begin to have a tabernacle and, a, and they build this tabernacle. And God begins to tell Moses that every, every day, one day of the year, the, the, the day of atonement, they need to, to make a sacrifice for the people. And all the elders have to lay their hands on an animal, lay their hands, and they'll transfer their sins upon this animal. Then you shed the blood of this animal. And when you shed the blood of this animal, you have to make it a sacrifice. Go into the tabernacle, sprinkle blood inside of the tabernacle. And we see that through this, they receive a forgiveness of sins. They were required to do this every single year. Year in and year out for the forgiveness of their sins. But there came a point in the history of Israel that they removed inside of this tabernacle was the Ark of the Covenant, which was the glory of God. And they removed that for the sake of battle. And when they did so, they lost the Ark of the Covenant and they lost the glory of God. Yet, the priest would still do it year after year. He would get up. He would slay the animal. He would take the blood. And he would sprinkle it in the tabernacle. Where there was no glory. Where there was no glory. But there was a man named David. 
You could put Psalms 24 up there. We'll do verse 7. There's a man named David. They got a hunger to bring back the glory. He desired to see the glory return back to Israel. And what we're about to read is a conversation that happened between David and the people up on the walls of Jerusalem. And what happened in the Bible, it describes that as they were bringing back the glory of God, they would walk seven steps. And at every seventh step, they would stop, they would make sacrifice, they would worship and praise God. Every seven steps. Imagine, that the crowd was thousands of people. That's a crowd that's hard to miss. Masses, an army walking every seven steps, stopping, worshiping God with their music, making a sacrifice. You could visibly see them from a distance. You could audibly hear them worshiping God. You could possibly even smell the sacrifices that were happening every seven steps. But as David drew near to the walls of Jerusalem with the glory, he makes the statement, lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lift up you everlasting doors. He shouted, open the doors and the king of glory shall come in. Verse 8. Then those upon the wall shouted back, who is the king of glory? David responds, the Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Verse 9. Then he shouts again. Lift up your heads, O you gates, even lift them up, you everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Next verse. Once again, they ask, who is this king of glory? And he repeats, the Lord of hosts, he is the king of glory. Give me glory. I want the glory of God. I want the glory of God. I want the glory of God, saints. I don't want anything else. I, I said it in the service before, and I'm going to say it right now. You know, we even in David's day, he had a great army. He had thousands of people. He had numbers. He had a great wall of Jerusalem. He had a king. He had a great kingdom. But yet, he knew if we don't have the glory, 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 we don't have anything. And I just can't help, I just can't help but say this. I know that those that built this church, the elders, built it upon the glory of God. They built it on nothing but the glory of God. Prayer and fasting, getting the glory of God in the house of God. And I pray that through the remodeling and everything that happens, that the glory of God would still be the center of your church, would still be the center of your family, would still be the center of the youth group. No matter what happens, we can have the best praising, the best building, the best people in our church. But if we don't got the So you see the image of what's happening. They have the glory back. And now the priest is making sacrifice time and time again. He would gather the elders. Every single year they would lay hands on this lamb to 
transmit their sins to this land and then shed the blood of this land. They were to do this every single year. But then something happened when Jesus showed up. Jesus came to fulfill the law. And he didn't show up to a tabernacle to make a sacrifice. But he himself laid himself down as the sacrifice. As the lamb without spot and without blemish. And not only was he the sacrifice, but he was also the high priest that was going to make the sacrifice. Because he knew if there is no shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. And his mindset was that I need to drop every drop of blood that is inside of my body. That I may find a way to meet my people once again. That I may find a way that they can receive forgiveness eternally. We're we're not having to make these sacrifices time and time again. Hebrews 10. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 10. I want you to get the image of what was happening in Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to read verses 1 through 4. For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. He, he was saying that what they were doing in the tabernacle was not going to be sufficient to make those that are coming perfect in God. The forgiveness that they need in their hearts and in their minds will not come to true completion through those sacrifices. But then it begins to say, for if this was the case, if they would be fulfilled, if their forgiveness would be complete, it says, for then would they not have ceased to be offered because that the worshipers once purged should have had no conscience of sins. The issue with what was happening was that they would act And they would do the sacrifice. But the conscience of their sins lived on. And perhaps many of you, the conscience of your sins still lives on. Verse 3. But in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. I want you to go to verse 11. And every priest stands daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. Let that sink in. Till this day, there is the desire to practice this. The Israelites' desire to make a sacrifice year by year for their sins. But they're missing something. They're missing something that happened. And it says in verse 12, but this man, talking about Jesus, after He had offered one sacrifice for sins, forever sat down at the right hand of God. 
I'm closing out. I want you to visualize this. These men, Israelites, year by year, are constantly making a sacrifice for their sins. Year by year, they're constantly sacrificing this lamb. Let, let me see if I can pull this chair out. Perfect. But the Bible says that when Jesus showed up, he was a lamb without spot and without blemish. He was the one that had pure blood, who did not sin. And Jesus came down with one mission, to lay down his life for our sins, to pay the price that we need to pay for our sins. But he did this so that when he's up in heaven and he sees those that have been baptized in his name, he sees that same token and he sees the blood and he will pass judgment over them. Get this visual. Jesus came, born of a virgin, walked on earth, was betrayed was tortured, was accused falsely as he was making his way to the cross. He was crucified. His, his feet and his hands were nailed upon the cross. He died of suffocation. He died three days later. The Bible says he rose again. And the Bible says that the difference between his sacrifice and the sacrifice of the other priests is that they continue to show up to make the sacrifice. But the Bible says that when Jesus made his sacrifice and rose from the grave, he went up into heaven and sat down because he knew from this point on there's not going to be need of any other sacrifice. The only thing you will need to do is believe what Jesus did on the cross. Is believe that he died on the cross for you. Is believe that he rose again for you. Is believe that his blood is sufficient to forgive you of all of your sins.